This week, we saw the viral video that we all needed in 2021. Uh, that said, the biggest question remains, where did the Zoom cat lawyer get his law degree? Uh, Tabitha, since you threatened to kill us, if any of us stole your answer, I'm going to let you start. Uh, yeah, I threatened you because as soon as you said this, I was like, oh, Purdue. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, one of these idiots is going to take that. I'm going to be real upset. <laughs> so I was sitting at work and I couldn't get to my phone. So I said that into my watch as somebody walked by my desk and they were like, <laughs> what? And just kept going like nothing happened. Like, okay, bye. <laughs> well, at least, at least you were on top of it. <laughs> right. Um, for me, Clearly, it, he went to Pauvard. Uh Matt? Uh, he went to Northwestern University. He was a wildcat. <laughs> <laughs> and Lydia? I think he went to Mutican. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. more long to come up with that than it should have, and it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I asked you all to, you know, step up your pun game for this one, and you all delivered. I'm, I'm so proud of all of you. <laughs> You're welcome also to random coworker who walked by my desk hearing me I say I love you into my watch. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, you guys have seen this video, right? Yes. Yeah, it is. It's on the news. Oh, oh, man. And, like, at the very, like, the first time that the zoom cat lawyer like speaks it, he almost sounds like he's like crying like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like guys that's that's gonna be me in like 15 or 20 years i'm just saying <laughs> like and i'm i'm not happy about it <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. We have a packed show tonight. Um, so we are going to get right started. Right started? That's not a thing. Um, we are going to get started right away with uh, some reviews. Uh, the first one is out now from Vault Comics. It's I Walk With Monsters number three, written by Paul Cornell with art by Sally Cantrino. Um, so in this new issue, we see more of JC's and David's past while they hunt down the important man. They also prepare to make the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, Tabitha, what did you think about this one? Uh, I read issues one, two, and three, um, and this is dark, y'all. Like, I don't know what I was expecting this to be, but it was so dark, and I liked it, which is not surprising. Um, this was a kind of a hard read, but in a good way, but it also, like, obviously left me wanting more. Um, I just... This is not what I was expecting, but I'm glad it is what it is, even though I feel really weird saying that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I mean this in the best possible way, but this book is really weird, man. Like, um, <laughs> I 
I, I think I, I like where I think the story is going. Uh, and I do like how the um, how like, kind of like the pieces are starting to fall into place. Uh, I didn't like I've read one and two, but I really should have gone back and read like I read one and two as they came out. And I really should have gone back and read one, two and three right together. And I think once this series or at least this arc is done, I think that's something that I'm going to do. Um, because yeah, it, it's it's it it did kind of mess with my head a little bit. Um, you're absolutely right, Tabitha. It's super dark in a super good way. But um, one thing that did kind of bug me, and I think this is something that won't be a thing when I do go back and reread everything. But like, you know, like cutting back and forth between past and present, it doesn't normally like jar me or bug me that much. But I'm having some issues with this story. Like it kind of like. Now, it's one thing because there are some cuts where it's like where we see uh, JC as a kid. Like, that one's obvious. But, like, there are some where it's like in the recent past, and it's, mm-hmm. I, I get confused easily. Um, granted, like, I kind of, it clicks fairly quickly for me, but still, it's like, wait, what's going on? Oh, okay. You know. Uh, Matt, what'd you think? Yeah, that's really my only thing is like, if there were a little bit more differentiation, we, even if it's just like a little, like, box you know in the top corner that says you know that you flash back or flash forward because yes the ones where jc's a kid those aren't hard to figure out but the ones where david is a little bit older are more recent past those are a little bit harder and do jar just a little bit um as you're going through um and yeah as far as like the top like I, i expected this to be dark because this is vault's nightfall series like this is the horror books that we've been reading um, but this is dark on another level that the other, that I don't really think the other nightfall books have been. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's just, it was a little, the, the heavy content was a little unexpected. Um, but not like that's a bad thing at all. Um, but yeah, I do like how we're getting the pieces of the story. Um, you get enough early on because I did one, I, I read issues one, two, and three. Um, and you get enough to keep you interested right off the bat. Um, but then you do get pieces that help fill in the gaps as we go through, uh, the first three issues, which I really like. That's, that's very well done. Uh, also from vault, uh, out February 17th is hollow heart. Number one, it's written by Paul Allure with art by, uh, Paul Tucker. So Hollow Heart is billed as a queer monster love slash horror story, and it follows Elle, uh, who used to be a human, but is now only like a bunch of organs in a bio suit. Um, and then it also follows Mateo, who is a maintenance worker assigned uh, to fix Elle's suit. I thought this first issue was a, it's a good setup to this story. I think that it's going to go in a lot of different directions. Uh, but at the same time, like it left me wanting more. It was one of those books where it's like, I got to the last page. I was like, okay, but where's, where's, where's the rest? I, I want more. Where's the rest? Uh, I am really curious to see more of both L's and Mateo's history. Uh, L more so just cause like, I want to know how he got into the bio suit. And then Mateo, like, I don't know. He like, in this first issue, he seems very much like, you know, kind of like an everyman, and I don't think he's an everyman. Um, Matt, what did you think? Yeah, I have to agree with you about that with Mateo. Um, this 
was another, this was another book that like, I, like I read the little intro at the very beginning, but this was not really what I expected to be from looking at the covers. Um, also, I'm not usually one, like I do, I look at variant covers and I'm like, Ooh, that one's kind of cool. Some of these variant covers are absolutely gorgeous. Like they're fantastic. Like the old, the throwback one from like the 1950s, like pulp science fiction stuff was fantastic. Um, but yeah, like this, this gives you, this gives you a huge setup. Um, I definitely want more backstory on everybody involved. Um, and my biggest question is, um, are there other people in bio suits? Cause we don't see any yet. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. So I need to know that. I also need to know what the tether is. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Tavla, what were your thoughts? Yeah, this also left me wanting more from the story. And I obviously, you know, want more background. I need to know how L got to be L and how he ended up in the bio suit. Um, but also, I really liked how this was told. Like, dialogue for me is sometimes hard with comic books because I, they're, like, you don't have enough to have a voice for each character. And there wasn't a lot of dialogue in here. It was like a story that was being told to you and occasionally had a little bit of like interaction from the characters. But you had these like anecdotes scattered like throughout that were telling the story without telling the story. And I really like that. Like this was really smart. Like for lack of a better term, like it's a smart comic. Like you didn't just sit down and read a bunch of people, you know, blowing a bunch of shit up like a normal comic book. Like this is just, this is smart. And I really liked that. Also out February 17th from Oni Press is the original graphic novel Girl Haven. It's written by Lila Sturges with art by Megan Carter. Um, so this story follows Ash, uh, whose mom left home three years ago and never returned. Uh, when he invites his new friends from his school's pride club, they end up checking out Ash's mom's old stuff, uh, including stories about a fantasy land called uh, Cortress. Uh, one magic spell later, Ash, Eleanor, Chloe, and Junebug are in Cortress, uh, which is a land for girls only. What does this mean for Ash? Uh, Matt and Tabitha, I know you guys said you hadn't completely finished this book yet, but Matt, I want to start with your thoughts first. I cannot wait to get back and finish this. Um, the art is simplistic, um, but it does a great job conveying what's happening without being, I think, overbearing. Um, sometimes the art can be so detailed. Like there are times where like simplistic art I, I want more detailed and there's times where you get over detailed art and I want things a little bit more simplistic. This just falls in just that perfect spot. Um, and story-wise it, it's hard. It's hard for me right now to kind of formulate the words for this story. Um, but I'm, I'm just loving it and I cannot wait to get back and finish to know how Ash's story comes full circle. Tabitha, what about you? Um, this is like Beatrix Potter, Narnia, Wizard of Oz, Harry Potter, and The Craft, and Lord of the Rings had a baby. <laughs> and I'm, I'm into it. Um, I love the exploration of gender without it being like 
this is the only thing we're going to talk about. Like it is just, it's natural and it's just in the story and you aren't, you know, it doesn't feel like that's what it's about, but it is. And I love how like the author integrated this beautiful plot, um, like this beautiful fantasy plot in with this, you know, gender identity crisis that you didn't know was happening. And now it's kind of like, I don't know. It's just, it's really beautifully told. And like, I love the art. Like, like Matt said, like the art is really, really simple. And it kind of reminds me of like our nice relaxing, like young adult novel that you know is going to have some serious shit go down, but you feel good about it. (laughs) So I also, I can't wait to get back into this and see how it ends. I need to know. I need to know where Ash's mother is. I need to know who Queen Cassandra is. Like, I have so many questions. I need to know why all these people are bunnies. Like, I have, <laughs> I have so many questions. So, I need to bunnies? Bunnies. Yes, bunnies. Bunnies. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... I absolutely just adored this story. Uh, it's really fun and heartwarming. Um, it's, you know, it, it's a story about self-discovery. And even if Ash's story isn't exactly like yours, uh, most people can relate to, especially like in this time that these, you know, these kids are in, they're in middle school. You know, um, most people can relate to not knowing exactly who you are in that time. Um, I also loved how, at the very beginning, like the first page, we got that, that uh, nod to uh, Marsha P. Johnson. Um, and also, if uh, the creators of this story do happen to ever listen to this review, uh, I would love a spinoff featuring Chloe, who is no nonsense, and Junebug, who is all nonsense. I, I'd like that. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I relate to Junebug so hard. She's like, I packed all this stuff in my bag in case I accidentally got like on an adventure one day. And I'm like, hi, that's me. I have a bag full of stuff that I will never need that I carry around with me because you never know when I'm going to walk through the wrong door in the forest. Like I feel, I feel attacked. <laughs> well, there was, there was one part, like I already liked Chloe, but like I fell in love with Chloe when um, we saw like the back of her vest, uh, vest said like what like feminist killjoy or something like yeah. that. I was like, oh my god, that's fantastic. <laughs> so uh, we have a couple of press releases to talk about. Um, so Z Two Comics has announced uh, not one but two upcoming projects. Uh, the first is Machine Gun Kelly's uh, Hotel Diablo, which is a tie-in to his 2019 album uh, Hotel Diablo. And is co-written by Machine Gun Kelly himself, Elliot Rahal, and Ryan Cady. The book is scheduled for a July 2021 release, and pre-orders available now. Uh, also from Z2 is Cypress Hill Trace Akis, uh, which tells the story of the early days of the pioneering hip-hop group. This graphic novel will be released in August of 2021 in both English and Spanish, and is also available for pre-order now. Um, nice. I love how both of these books are different. Like they are kind of what Z2 does. Like it's either, you know, an anthology based on an album or just based on the, you know, style of this particular artist, or it's kind of, you know, biographical, which I, you know, I like both of those things. So I like how we get both of them. Yeah. I love how Z2 has seemed to have carved this little niche for themselves into this, like, 
musical artist graphic novel that you didn't know you wanted slash needed genre like okay maybe not all of them but a lot of them <laughs> i listened to machine gun kelly try to talk one time and it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me so i can't imagine watching him try to write or read <laughs> i mean it, it is it any better than logic's book oh no. i don't know oh man <laughs> You know, I, I will say this for Machine Gun Kelly, and um, this says nothing against Hotel Diablo or, you know, or Z2 in general. I want to stress that. But, like, I recently tried to listen to a Machine Gun Kelly album just because I wanted to see what all the hype was about. I think I maybe got, like, a song and a half in, and I was like, this is not for me. It's for uh, some people, but it's not for It's for somebody. Me. It's just not me either, yeah. so... Yeah. The real shame with Machine Gun Kelly is that he should have been working with Travis Barker and doing rock stuff the whole time. all along, not this rap garbage that he tried for I don't know how many years beforehand. My favorite and my <laughs> only Machine Gun Kelly memory is I accidentally saw him live once um, and he tried to come for Eminem in Chicago, which is far too close to Detroit to come try to come for Eminem. And I experienced the worst secondhand embarrassment of my life. And then he tried to cover a Jimmy Eat World song where I wanted to die just because I, like the crowd literally turned around and walked away from the stage. <laughs> and I just, I didn't like it, but I felt so sad. <laughs> oh, that's so awkward. <laughs> it was so awkward. Like it was, we were at Wrigley Field, and I have never heard Wrigley Field quiet in my entire life. And all you heard was Machine Gun Kelly trying to do Jimmy Eat World, and it was just dead silence. It was awful. <laughs> Worst experience of my entire life. So, uh, last press release. So, Valiant Entertainment's first feature film, Bloodshot, is on the Academy Awards shortlist of nominees for Best Visual Effects. Uh, the movie has a 4.3 out of 5-star rating on Amazon Prime and is and sits at a 78% uh, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Yeah. Not going to lie, guys. I know we talked about this on the show, like, leading up to the release last year. But then the pandemic happened, and I forgot about Bloodshot. Uh, yeah. But to know that it's... You know, it hasn't been nominated yet. It still might not be nominated. Uh, but to know that it's on the short list of nominees uh, makes me want to revisit it and give it a shot. A mm -hmm. blood shot, if you will. Thank God for that, though. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm proud of that one. I'm proud of it. So. I'm just impressed that we're already in February and you only have three shames. Yeah, I know. That's still more than one a month, though. I mean, true, but you usually have, like, way more than this by now. Yeah, We've also right. usually been in person and to at least one con by now, too, so... True. This is true. Yeah. Man, maybe, maybe this will be, like, my... Uh, maybe 2021 is going to be my year to have, like, historically low shames. Don't yeah, probably, probably not. <laughs> I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to get like 17 next week. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into some gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. 
And we're going to start with what was probably the biggest news out of the last 24 hours. So, um, Mandalorian star Gina Carano, who plays uh, Cara Dune, um, has a history of interesting tweets, uh, has been fired from the show. Uh, the straw that broke the camel's back suggests that being a Republican today is like being Jewish during the Holocaust. Um, I hate to give this a thumbs up because I like that character. Um, I, I thought that the character was, you know, complete badass, but I have to give this a thumbs up. Um, you know, you, you, you can talk about, you know, oh, First Amendment rights and blah, 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 but like, Disney is not the government as much as it wants to be. Um, Disney has Disney and Lucasfilm have every right to fire Gina over this. Um, something that kind of like I even thought about is like, this is akin to what? I'm just thinking about how Walt Disney would be so proud of her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. If Walt ever gets unfrozen, he's going to have like 7,000 words to say to you. <laughs> Can we shame Tabitha on behalf of Walt Disney? I mean, I mean it's not my fault he was a racist. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that said, I mean, like, you can't, you can't go and say or do things that could potentially, you know, embarrass your employer. Like, I can't go to, you know, like, I can't go out wearing a shirt with my work's name on it, start a fight, and expect to have my job the next day. I just, that's that's not a thing. So, uh, Tabitha. Um, I don't know what she expected. It's 2021. People are done listening to racist shenanigans, especially on social media. I can't do that either, and I work for a small business, technically, so, like, I just, <clears throat> thumbs up to the company for taking a stand, thumbs down for people who were giant pieces of trash, I don't know what you wanted, so, bye. <laughs> Matt. Yeah, I'm disappointed because I did like the character a lot on the show, um, and I I'm gonna go <clears throat> thumbs down to all the people that think that this is not Disney's place because they're a private company. And like you said, Mitch, they are not the government. They can hire and fire whoever they want for whatever reasons they want. That's the way this all works. So people bitching and complaining about Disney taking a stand politically and racially, semantically, whatever, like they need to go away because that's not what, whatever. Um, I, thumbs up for Disney for taking a stand. Thumbs down for her thinking that in this day and age that you can say inflammatory things like that and still have a job. Lydia. Yeah, I agree. Like like you guys have all said, there's no way you can get away with saying stuff like that and still expect to come out of it just fine. I have no attachment to her as a character for anything because I haven't watched the show, so I don't really care. You're going to be stupid. You're going to lose your job. So thumbs up for them and doing what any other employer would do. Uh, Matt, speaking of breaking news, you've got some Last of Us casting info? I do. So this broke late last night um, that when we knew that HBO was doing a Last of Us TV series, 
Um, they have officially cast both Ellie and Joel. Um, Ellie is going to be played. Ellie, the part of Ellie is going to be played by Bella Ramsey, who was Liana Mormont in Game of Thrones. Um, and Joel is also going to be played by Game of Thrones alum, uh, Pedro Pascal. Um, <clears throat> the internet is just like all of us with this because it's just, it's, it's big news um, that this is actually going to happen. We've got casting. Um, I'm, I'm going to go two ways here because I'm going to go thumbs up for her as Ellie and I'm going to go thumbs sideways on Pedro as Joel. Um, just because Joel is very grizzled um, and very rough around the edges. And despite Pedro Pascal playing Mando, yeah, I'm going to have to see him in the role before I say yes or no on his casting. Lydia. Yeah, I'm going to have to kind of mirror Matt with this, like just mostly based off looks. Cause I don't know either one of them from Game Thrones or anything else. Um, the little bit of the game I've played, she looks like she'll be a good fit, but I'm not sure he's the right choice, at least aesthetically talk, speaking. So, yeah, thumbs up for the idea of her, thumbs sideways for him. Yeah, I'm also going to have to go thumbs sideways. Um, I don't think I'm familiar with her at all. Uh, Pedro Pascal is wanting to kind of be like a, you know, uh, king of the geeks type of thing. And he's done a really good job as the Mandalorian, but uh, I don't know that the same can be said for him as Maxwell Lord in Wonder Woman. So I don't really know where he's going to sit. I, I, I mean, this is going to be almost kind of like a make or break type of thing for him. And I just, I don't know. Tabitha. Um, I loved the character of Lyanna Mormont in Game of Thrones in the like, season and a half she was in she became my favorite character in the history of characters and the uh girl who played her did like an absolutely incredible job so her acting chops are great but when i think about ellie i only picture Ad ellen page with or i'm sorry elliot page with ashley johnson's voice in yep. my head so i'm gonna have a hard time with the casting no matter what they do <clears throat> with this but also i and probably going to get a lot of hate, but I don't like Pedro Pascal. I don't like him as Mando when he takes the helmet off. I don't like him. I didn't like him in Wonder Woman. I didn't care for his character in Game of Thrones. I don't like his face, and I don't know what it is, <laughs> but there's something about it that just bothers me, and I think he's a good actor as Mando, but I think it's because he has the helmet on, because I don't think he does... He does no face acting. His face always looks the same, no matter what emotion he's expressing. And he looks like my old algebra professor, and I just can't take it. So I'm going to go thumbs down for both of these, because now everything is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tabitha, let's make things a little bit better and talk about LeVar Burton. Um, LeVar Burton has been named... Um, a Penn Faulkner Foundation literary champion for his uh, advocacy of literature. Um, not really a whole lot to, you know, unpack here, but uh, he will be honored in a virtual celebration on May 10th. Um, this is its 40th anniversary of this award, and LeVar Burton is getting it for being, you know, 
a literary champion. Thank you, Reading Rainbow. Um, but even after Reading Rainbow, LeVar Burton has continued to like help with like private libraries and public libraries and, you know, reading scholarships and literacy all across the country. And I think it's just super incredible and huge thumbs up for him getting this award. He a hundred percent deserves it. Matt. Um, so LeVar Burton, Reading Rainbow and my first grade teacher are probably some of the biggest reasons why I am the reader that I am today. So absolute giant, huge thumbs up for him and for getting this award. Lydia. Yeah. It, this is awesome. The um, amount of advocacy of reading this man has instilled in people throughout the years, like he, he totally deserves this big thumbs up. Agreed. Uh, huge thumbs up. Um, yeah, like <laughs> getting to watch Reading Rainbow in school was kind of like one of my highlights in school. Uh, also, side note, really like, you know, just huge props to LeVar Burton for somebody who you know is blind and needed you know like visual aids to act in Star Trek the Next Generation um to be such a <laughs> huge advocate of literature it's just fantastic I hate you <laughs> do you though yes so do I get <laughs> 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 Matt let's talk about the GameStop movie uh, do we have to, even though I brought it up? <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> I did. I'm kind of sorry I did, though. Um, especially considering that who is, um, executive producing? Um, so, what, last week or two weeks ago, we talked about the whole GameStop Reddit, uh, stock. stock thing. HBO has decided to take up the golden cartridge and continue with a movie. <laughs> Um, Jason Blum of... <laughs> Keep going. I deserve that. <laughs> Probably, though. Um, Jason Blum of Blumhouse Television is on board as executive producer? Um, I, this just... What? Why? Of all the things we don't need movies about, this is high on the list so um thumbs down for this whole idea lydia yeah so i know we've talked in the past about like all the different remakes of everything and like how hollywood needs to get new ideas and come up with different stuff for movies and the stuff this is not it <laughs> <laughs> um it was amusing to watch the whole ordeal unfold, but I don't want to sit and watch a movie about geeks taking over the stock market because just no thanks. Thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Total thumbs down. Uh, as much as I loved um, living this story in real time, I don't need a movie about it. I especially don't need a movie with, I, I mean, I've seen some Reddit usernames. I don't need a movie with some of those names as characters. Um, yeah, this is this is going to be like a bad social network type movie. So, Tabitha. All I keep thinking is this is going to be like Wolf of Wall Street meets meets like Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a bunch of basement dwellers who like get out of the basement and have like Leonardo DiCaprio like 
snorting coke out of people's butts moments. And like, that's all I keep thinking about in my head now. <laughs> Thumbs down. I don't want this. <laughs> You know, yeah. you, you've gotten me to change my vote to at least a thumb sideways. <laughs> yeah, same <laughs> so we have a release announcement for Sonic 2. Uh, the sequel will come out April 8th, 2022. And uh, judging from the logo, will feature Tails. Uh, definite thumbs up on this one. Uh, the only movie that I saw in 2020 uh, pleasantly surprised me. And I am ready for more. Tabitha. You're happy, I'm happy? Question mark, thumb sideways. <laughs> Matt. Um, so if I'm not mistaken, I also saw some news that there's a possibility that um, Jason Momoa might be being cast as Knuckles. I would like what? to change my vote to thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you won't see Jason Momoa. I like his voice better than I like looking at him. Fair. Oh. Okay. <laughs> That's Bradley quite drastically. <laughs> I mean, he's funny to look at, but I love his voice. Like, next time he's on the screen, close your eyes. I feel like you'll enjoy the experience even more. Good to know. <laughs> Pro tip. Um, <laughs> um, I have not seen the first one. Um, my niece and nephew loved the first one and actually had my sister texting me asking if I had more information on the second movie already because they're kids and they don't really understand that it takes like three years for a movie to happen. Uh, <laughs> I also think Matt has the insider information. <laughs> right. Which, you know, whatever, but that's what it takes to be cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad that this was successful. Um, I think it's cool that they are doing a second one. And Hey, if you can get somebody like Jason Momoa to throw their voice to something like this. Cool. So thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, I also haven't seen it yet. I want to, because, you know, what better than when the internet bullies you into doing it right. Um, <laughs> but the idea that uh, Tails is going to be included in the second one really makes me happy, because I love Tails. So, you know, thumbs up. <laughs> Two thumbs up, one for each tail. Yeah. Yes. Tabitha, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some book vending machines. Oh my god. Um, so schools in North Texas, if we all remember how I talked about Texas last week, um, they're working to make reading a unique experience. And I feel like we talked about it before, but remember when we talked discussed like book vending machines becoming a thing? Uh, schools in North Texas, uh, in the Northwest Independent School Districts have installed them. Um, essentially every Friday, every teacher gets to pick a kid who's, you know, done well throughout the week and provides them with, you know, a golden ticket or a golden coin or whatever unlocks their vending machine. And they can go up and put their, put their coin in and get their book out of the vending machine. So not only is it like getting a prize, they kind of get to pick and choose what they want. They have things like Bridge to Terabithia and Captain Underpants and things like that. Um, the librarian at one of the schools did note that like the things that they're picking are things that never get checked out of libraries, which I find <laughs> fascinating. Children's minds are strange, but also mm -hmm. like the things that are being chosen out of the vending machines are things that are not being elected for the library. So that tells me they're not like, I don't want to say advertising, but like they're not like giving these kids access to the right books in the library if by seeing the cover in a vending machine, they're like, oh, that's the one I want. Um, 
I'm giving this a huge thumbs up. Anything, all my stories are book related this week, but like anything to get kids reading more, I think is a great idea. And Tiny Tabitha would have killed somebody for one of those cut tickets to get into a <laughs> book vending machine. Like probably would have found a way to break into it, but also would have tried my hardest to get one of those tickets. But if I didn't get the ticket, then I would have broken into it. So thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. I mean, I definitely would have traded like lunch desserts for extra tickets. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, like making this a reward, um, I think is a fantastic idea. And then giving them such a wide range of options to pick from, like things like Captain Underpants and Bridget Terry, like those kinds of like, I don't know, like pop culture type books that are coming off of shelves at like Barnes and Noble, like to include those as prizes. I think that's a great idea. So thumbs up to this. Lydia. Yeah, I love the uh, idea of getting kids into reading by making it kind of a reward thing. The only thing in, in my head is I picture like an actual like candy like vending machine and just <laughs> the book just like falling down and hitting like the spines that falls down and that that made me cringe. So I don't like that idea. <laughs> but if the vending machine's a little more gentle with the books, then yeah, okay, cool. But <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I agree. Total thumbs up. I don't know that Tiny Mitch would have gone to the extremes that Tiny Tabitha would have gone and, you know, committed crimes in order to get uh, these books. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't have tried to kill anyone or break into the vending machine, but I would have done everything legal possible to get my hands on some books. Yeah, Tiny Tabitha. Heck, I went around the fair one year to get stamps to get a book from the Jesse White tent. Like, that was how I got my first Harry Potter book, was because I went and hunted down all those stamps. So, yeah, I would definitely go for a vending machine with books out. <laughs> Tiny Tabitha found a way to sneak into the price package at the doctor's office, so never underestimate Tiny Tabitha. <laughs> Tiny Tabitha would have been, like, flat Matthew McConaughey from that <laughs> Doritos commercial. <laughs> yep. Y'all, Tiny Tabitha kind of scares me. Not going to lie. <laughs> As she should. As she should. Uh, something else that kind of scares me, Matt, let's talk about this Uno movie. <laughs> you know, this is the week for stories that I wish I hadn't brought up. Um, <laughs> uh, so Mattel Films is working on an Uno movie. Uh, it gets better. Or worse. No, it doesn't. It gets worse. Uh, Little Yachty? Is that how you pronounce his name? I don't know. Um, A rapper? I think. A musical artiste? No, that's just, that's being way too generous. Um, Apparently is probably starring in this film. What? Why? No. Thumbs down. Lydia. So going back to what I said earlier, we need <laughs> new ideas. This is not it. Also, I did not know that there was a Mattel movies in the first place. How did I there miss should, that? There shouldn't be. It's probably the same group that came up with Battleship. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, thumbs down. Uh, thumbs down, but at the same time, if forced to choose between the Uno movie and the GameStop Reddit movie, I would choose the Uno movie. Tabitha. 
I'm trying to think about which one of those I would choose. Probably not the Uno movie, because, I mean, what is the plot? I, there is Draw four? Like, ooh, like, I don't know. Well, remember. just when you think it's going one way, somebody's going to slap a reverse down, and it's going to give a little twist. No, I feel like this is just going to go super poorly. Um, I'm going to give it a card. Also, I know what a little Yachty is, but I don't know why I know that. <laughs> um, thumbs thumbs all the way down. <laughs> uh, so Keanu Reeves was recently interviewed, and he was asked how long he sees himself playing John Wick. Uh, he said, quote, as far as my legs can take me, as far as the audience wants to go. Um, I said when I posted this story in our group that John Wick lives rent-free in my head. Uh, thumbs down. Um, I want John Wick to be done, but I'm in the minority. Tabitha. You are not in the minority because I would never watch another one of these movies because the first one broke me into 3,000 tiny little pieces and I'm still trying to pick them up. So thumbs down. <laughs> 3,000 tiny little Tabithas. That's too many tiny Tabithas. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Matt. things you're terrified of. <laughs> right? <laughs> Matt. I'm the only one in this group that's in favor of this, but I'm going to go thumbs up because I, yeah. Lydia. I'm just indifferent because I still have not seen a John Wick movie, so thumbs sideways. Oh, you, oh, I wish, I've never wished that I could be you more than right now, Lydia. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Tabitha, let's talk about Stephen King. Stephen King has donated $6,500 to an elementary school in Maine, in Lewiston, Maine, um, in their author studies program, so they can publish two books that they've written. Um, they've written them over the course of the pandemic, and that is what the storylines revolve around. There's one book and a sequel, like a follow-up sequel, and he's going to donate the money so these can be published, and then the funds from the publication will then be put back into the school district, um, probably as like a scholarship or um, just like a general donation to their like their literacy program. Um, this is fantastic. Like I haven't read anything that's been released by Stephen King or like his, you know, publicist or anything. It's just what the school district has released. And this is what we need authors to be doing. Like Stephen King lives in the same house that Stephen King has lived in his entire career and has more money than God and writes a new book every seven minutes and doesn't know what he's going to do with it. Like this is what people need to be doing with it. Um, I just, this, brings joy to my heart. Also, I think it's interesting that Stephen King, who wrote The Stand, is providing money for students to write a book about another pandemic. Like, that just <laughs> <laughs> feels a little off in my head, but giant thumbs up for this. This is what we need more of. Matt? I love this. This is great. Um, I don't really have much to add, except for the fact that like, if the proceeds from this book go back to the school district, I don't really even care what the plot is, who the characters are. Like, I will buy these books to support this and support this school district. Lydia. Yeah, I, I also don't have anything to add. This is just mm -hmm. awesome. I love that he's doing this. Thumbs up. Yeah, agreed. Thumbs up. This is a wonderful idea. Uh, Matt, let's talk about... Uh, 
Dan Harmon's next project? Uh, on the completely other end of the spectrum, um, Dan Harmon, creator of Rick and Morty, or co-creator, has been given the go-ahead from Fox, and he's going to premiere a new animated series in 2022 um, set in mythical ancient Greece. Uh, it's going to center on a family of humans, gods, and monsters that try to run one of the world's first cities without killing each other. Uh, Rick and Morty, Dan Harmon humor in ancient Greece. Yes, please. Thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, that's just, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, it's not, it sounds like another show that a couple of years ago I'd have been like, yeah, not for me. But after finding out that I like things like disenchantment, this sounds like something that is right up my alley. So <laughs> thumbs up. Um, two things. I'm giving this a thumb sideways uh, only because I just, I want to know more information. It sounds interesting. It sounds like something I would be into. But I don't know. I, I just I, I've got a I've got a feeling. Uh, also, and I wanted to say this when we were talking about Sonic. I don't know about you guys, but like 2022 sounds super far away. Yet it's less than a year away, and it scares me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This checks all my boxes. Like I love Greek mythology, plus that like smart Rick and Morty, like gross nerdy humor, like. All up my alley. Love it. Thumbs up. So to celebrate Pokemon's uh, 25th anniversary, McDonald's is celebrating with uh, packs in every Happy Meal that contain stickers, a card holder, or a deck box. Uh, also, each envelope will come with a McDonald's exclusive pack of Pokemon trading cards. Uh, even though I was never a Pokemon kid, I'm giving this a giant thumbs up. Um, if I, you know, like if this happened when I was a kid and I wasn't a Pokemon, like I'd be begging my my mom and every member of my family to take me to McDonald's like every day. Like I, I don't even I don't even want the Happy Meal, Mom. I just just give me the toy. But yeah, total thumbs up, Tabitha. Uh, yeah, thumbs up, Matt. I think this is great. I love this. Um, I don't know. I still am that little kid at heart, which would love to sit down and play not necessarily Pokemon, but collectible card games all day long. So thumbs up. Lydia. Because I need one more thing to remind me how old I'm getting. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds awesome though. Thumbs up. Uh, I was never a Pokemon kid either. I was a Digimon kid, but for everyone that is that I I can just see all the like 20, 30 somethings like going and ordering a happy meal and the McDonald's people just being like, um, where's your child? (laughs) They're what? they're sick with the COVID. <laughs> uh, Matt, let's talk about. I know we've talked about this before, but we've got an update. I think on the live action Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, we do, and I don't know. Nobody's happy about this. Quite honestly, um, the live action Powerpuff Girls series. Um, is moving forward officially. The CW has given a pilot order. Um, So we don't have a full series. We don't have a full season, but there will be a pilot. Um, This didn't need to happen when it was an idea. 
It doesn't need to happen now that it's a pilot. We definitely don't need a season or a series of this. So thumbs down. Lydia. Yeah, I, we, we don't need this at all. And I'm confused that it's the CW that's ordering this pilot episode. <laughs> However, I will say the best thing I've seen about this entire ordeal is I follow Misha Collins on Facebook and Twitter and all that. And he posted, I wasn't expecting the CW to reboot Supernatural so quickly, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, I'm going thumbs down. As much as, you know, the Powerpuff Girls have a uh, soft spot in my heart, I, yeah, I want none of this. Tabitha. Yeah, I, again, like, why are we remaking... I, feel like we've talked about this before but like why are we remaking things that we don't need to remake also like no one called me to play buttercup and i'm kind of broken up about it so it's fine um <laughs> thumbs down <laughs> they, they probably assumed you wouldn't dye your hair black uh 10 out of 10 would dye my hair black already done it <laughs> I'm <ready>. let's go <laughs> oh goth tabitha <laughs> let's see if i can find a picture um, if you find a picture and you find it like tonight, can I use that for uh, our Instagram post? I'll see what I can do. Because <laughs> it's either that or I'm photoshopping your face on like Wednesday Adams or something like that. I actually <laughs> dressed up as Wednesday, Wednesday Adams in college once, so I have that picture too. <laughs> well, just so you know, it, it takes me probably about like an hour and a half or so to edit the uh, the episode, so... Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> I'll do what I can. <laughs> so, DC has announced a digital-first limited series written by Chip Zdarsky titled Justice League Last Ride and sees the iconic team broken up due to anger and distrust, uh, distrust just in time for a cosmic threat. The story will release digitally in uh, April 14th, and the print edition hits stores May 11th, uh, giant thumbs up. Um, oddly enough, even though I read Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Green Lantern, I don't read Justice League. But still, Chip Zdarsky, I will try anything that he writes. So thumbs up. Tab thumb. Yeah, thumbs up for Chip Zdarsky. The only thing I've read, I think, is Sex Criminals, but I really enjoyed it. So thumbs up. Matt. Um. I'm only going thumb sideways on this because we're starting with the digital release. Um, and I am still that diehard comic kid where I want the issues. And I know that they're coming, but the fact that it's a digital release first just makes me a little iffy. But yeah, Chip Zdarsky taking on the Justice League sounds like fun. Um, but like I said, thumb sideways just because we're getting digital first. Uh, or Lydia. You guys are happy, so I'm happy. Thumbs up. <laughs> so we had planned on doing trailer takedown. Um, we are going to run a little long if we do Taylor takedown. You guys still want to do Taylor tra trailer takedown? Not Taylor, <laughs> Taylor takedown. <laughs> Who's Taylor and why are we tricking him down? Um, is, isn't Taylor Swift like dropping a new song tonight or something like that? <laughs> yes. Oh are you ready for this can of worms? No, you're not. You are not. I've already had all my feelings about it today. <laughs> so do you guys want to try to get a quick trailer takedown? I mean, yeah. Sure. Sure. 
All right. What else to do with my life? <laughs> uh, these are all trailers that dropped during the Super Bowl. A lot of these are movies that we've known about, or movies or TV shows that we've known about, and even some that we've seen trailers for. Um, the first matchup is F9 versus Coming to America, which is the sequel to Coming to America. So it's Coming T-W-O America, not Coming T-O America. Um, <laughs> that was way too much. <laughs> my brain just fell out of my ear. <laughs> Uh, I am giving F9 one point, and that one point is only for Michelle Rodriguez because uh, I loved her in Lost, and therefore she always has a special place in my heart. And therefore, Coming to America gets nine points. Um, that movie, like even though I haven't seen it in years, the, the first one was fantastic. And even though I feel like this is a sequel that we didn't necessarily need, uh, I could definitely see myself checking it out. Lydia. Um, I've never seen Coming to America, the the first one, but we don't need any more Fast and the Furious movies. Like, they kind of just need to, to stop. So, yeah, I'm just going to mirror you and say one and nine, because, yeah, we don't need any more Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, <laughs> Um... Going against the grain here, but every time I see that coming to America trailer, I die a little inside. Um, so I'm going to give eight points to another Fast and Furious movie because sometimes I like to just watch cars go fast and shit blow up. Uh, and two points to coming to America because it shouldn't exist. And Matt. Um, I am essentially going to echo Tabitha on this because as much as we don't need more Fast and the Furious movies, um, this series, love it or hate it, is one of those just popcorn, cars go fast, blow stuff up type of movies that every once in a while I really just want to sit and watch. And while I have not seen the original uh, Coming to America, I watched this trailer and all I could think of is why are we getting a sequel to this movie? Um, so I'm going to go eight for Fast and the Furious 9 and two for coming to America. So with a total of 18 to 22, coming to America moves on. Uh, so the next one, uh, I matched up uh, two Disney Plus properties. Uh, the first one is Falcon and Winter Soldier versus Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, Tabitha, let's start with you on this one. So, <laughs> uh, Raya and the Last Dragon looks super cute. However, it is not a thirst trap, which... <laughs> <laughs> which... Uh, Winter, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier is a, is a thirst trap. Like, Bucky got that... Uh, Shield? Shield. You can't even say the word. I can't. I can't even talk. Like we were watching it, and I like just went silent, and like my mouth dropped open, and I said something very inappropriate. Like <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. I'm giving one point to Raya and the, whatever that other movie was, and I'm giving nine points to Falcon and Winter Soldier because it made me sweat. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lydia. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> See, this one's a little unfair to me because they both look really good. The, the Raya trailer that we watched tonight made me want to see it a lot more than the full-length one that we watched a couple weeks ago did. But since I'm so much farther into the MCU now, which I think I only have like Infinity War and Endgame to go, so I'm almost oh, wow. there. Ooh, wow. Yeah, almost there. Um, I've got... <laughs> got so much more understanding of those characters now that I really want to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> so <laughs> it's so uh, six for Falcon and Winter Soldier, four for Raya. Matt. Uh, so kind of like what Lydia said, like this trailer for Raya, um, I don't know what exactly they did differently from the last trailer, but this one was just as, as far as a trailer goes, um, and making you want to see the movie. Like for me, this just was night and day compared to the last trailer. Um, it did a much better job just pulling me in and wanting me, wanting to making me want to see this Disney film, even though I feel like in general, the story is classic Disney film story. Um, on the other hand, Falcon Winter Soldier, damn. I mean, this just looks like it continues to look like an MCU movie on Disney Plus. Um, and again, like you get even more of it in this trailer, especially the staring contest <laughs> between Sebastian Stan and and, uh, and Anthony Mackie. Like the 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 banter between these two is just top notch, fantastic. It's 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 just great. Um, so despite the uptick in making me want to watch Raya, I'm going to have to go eight for Falcon and Winter Soldier and two for Raya. So I am awarding all 10 of my points to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, no for Raya or none for Raya. Uh, it, Raya looks cute. Uh, I will give it that. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that it's a movie that I will ever watch. Uh, also, it's not a movie that I'm going to watch right away because I'm not paying an extra $30 for the Disney Plus premiere access or whatever to watch the movie. Uh, that's that's not a thing. Uh, Thirst Trap or No with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, I, I agree, Tabitha. Uh, when Sebastian Stan, when Winter Soldier got the shield, I... I don't know if I squealed per se, but um, she it did. May- <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was definitely a highlight of that trailer for me. So with a total of seven to a lot more than seven, Falcon and Winter Soldier moves on. <laughs> um, the next one, I'm pairing up a CBS show versus a Paramount Plus uh, show, which uh, if you're unaware, Paramount Plus, well, CBS All Access is going to become Paramount Plus. I digress. So we've got Clarice versus Yellowstone 1883. Uh, Matt, let's start with you on this one. Everything about this Clarice show makes me irritated. Um, In particular, all of the interjection of Silence of the Lambs images when she was not the point of Silence of the Lambs ever. Jodie Foster did a fantastic job in that film, but she was not the point of that movie. She just wasn't. Um, And there's 
there's no reason we need a backlog of cases of her early time in the FBI. Um, The snippet that we got from this Yellowstone 1883 to me was so much more intriguing. And I really like, I didn't know I wanted a backstory from a national park, (laughs) but apparently I do. Um, So we're going to go, we're going to go nine points to Yellowstone and we're going to go one point to Clary's. Uh, I gave five to each. Um, Clarice, I'm, I'm, I, if I'm going to be real, real, I'm not really interested in either one of these shows. Uh, Clarice, um, I knew that it was connected to Silence of the Lambs and, oh, hey, there's all these lambs and, oh, hey, they're being silenced and, okay, cool, I, got, I can connect the dots. But uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing about that trailer uh, screamed to me that, you know, hey, this is, you know, Jodie Foster's character in the movie. This is, you know, a prosecutor or whatever. And it's like, okay, I'm really confused here. Uh, Yellowstone, uh, I, I understand that it's a popular TV series. I know it's all the rage and what all the youngins are talking about, but I'm just not interested in it. Lydia. So I have not seen Silence of the Lambs. It's still on my list of things to watch. So I didn't really have, I caught like the, moth or butterfly thing like across your lips i caught that imagery but i didn't understand a lot of what was going on with that so it didn't mean much to me yellowstone was so short i didn't really get enough out of it to know other than it gave me like westerny cowboy vibes which just made me want to go back and finish hell on wheels which i still need to do so i'm kind of indifferent so we'll say half and half There are two things I hate. Westerns and Clarice's character in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> like, you could not have possibly paired up two worse things for me to boy- vote on. Um, I don't care about the Wild West because American history is boring. I don't care about Clarice because it would have been more interesting had she died. So I don't have anything nice to say, so I'm going to do what Mitch did and give them five points each. <laughs> I like how Matt's the only deciding factor in this one. <laughs> yeah. um, every time one of those Clarice commercials came on during the Super Bowl, because there were like 437 of them, it was every commercial break, he complained. So she should get less points from me because of that, because I had to listen to Matt complain. God, it just makes me so ragey. <laughs> <laughs> like there's that commercial those commercials were making Matt more angry than the calls of the football game which is saying a lot correct so <laughs> if I could give zero points to both of them I would but I can't so five and five breaking out the hives thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> so with a score of 24 to 16 Yellowstone 1883 moves on uh, the last matchup uh, is old versus nobody um, which sounds like I don't know, me in 40 years, an old nobody. Uh, oh. <laughs> That's uh, Lydia, let's start with you. Uh, so n- nobody just made me think like, okay, so is this a comedy take on Taken or what? <laughs> but I still kind of want to watch it just because it had kind of that comedic vibe to it. Old just looks really weird um yeah i i don't even know what to say about it to be quite honest 
Um, so nobody gets seven and old gets three. Matt. Um, my problem with these trailers is that I feel like all of the last M. Night Shyamalan movies, it's good. You're going to figure it out in the first five minutes. Um, so it's, it's kind of creepy as it looks. I, I feel like it's, he, I feel like where it's another one where he's just going to try too hard and the trailer doesn't really give you a whole lot of sense of what's going on other than something is yeah. effed up. Like something's weird. Um, nobody. It does. It kind of looks like taken. Like if Saturday, Saturday night live did taken, which now that I say that, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go five and five. Uh, I was going to go five and five uh, just because with both of these movies, like they just, I don't think that I'd ever see them. Um, the only M. Night Shyamalan movie that really did it for me was Signs. Um, and I don't feel like he's really done anything really good since. Uh, and then Nobody, uh, it seemed like it was, you know, it seemed like one of those movies where it's like, it's just, it's not for me, but nobody does get an extra point uh, for that line. And I don't even know if it's, I'm saying exactly right now, but like he says something about like, give me that kitty cat bracelet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why nobody gets six points and old gets four for me. Tabitha. I'm in the minority. I enjoy M. Night Shyamalan's movies. I always have. I always will, because while they what they look like they are on the surface is never what he was trying to say. And like, if you look at interviews with him, he's like, that's not what I was trying to do. And like, nobody gets it besides him. And I think that's brilliant, but also super broken. Um, and I also couldn't tell if the Nobody trailer was just a really shitty movie or if it was trying to be funny, but it was kind of like Taken. But what would happen if Will Ferrell was in Taken instead of Liam Neeson? And that's all I could picture. And we all know how much I hate Will Ferrell. And so now that's just my, like, what I'm going to relate that to. So I'm giving six to old and four to nobody only because of the kitty cat bracelet line. (laughs) All right. Well, a score of 22 to 18. Nobody does move on. Who wins? Nobody. (laughs) Who's on first? Yeah. <laughs> so now so now we've got uh coming to america versus falcon and winter soldier uh for time's sake let's just dole out our points um tabitha we'll start with you uh 10 to winter soldier and zero to coming to america is that a thing can i do that yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> matt same <laughs> 10 and zero Lydia. Same. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so I am going to give nine to Falcon and Winter Soldier and one to Coming to America, just so that Coming to America can at least have one point. Uh, so a score of 39 to one, Falcon moves on. Uh, Shame. We would have had our first shutout. <laughs> uh, Yellowstone. But they couldn't versus- come to America because we shut them out. <laughs> <laughs> It's 2021, Lydia, not 2020. <laughs> oh, no. You can come here. We just can't go other places. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. Move on, please. 
So Yellowstone 1883 versus nobody. Uh, Lydia. Oh, um, Western's going to win. So seven to eight, three to the other. Tabitha. Um, uh, oh, God. Uh, five and five. I can't pick. They're both bad. <laughs> uh, I am giving six to nobody and four to Yellowstone. Matt, um, there's still there's not enough known about Yellowstone to warrant um, more points than this for this particular breakdown. So seven for nobody and three for Yellowstone. So nineteen to twenty one. Uh, nobody moves on. So nobody versus Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I am going to give 10 to Falcon, zero to nobody. Lydia. Same. Tabitha. Same. Matt, are we going to do it this time? Bringing in the closer for the shutout. <laughs> 10 and nothing. All right. So 40 to zero. We are most excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It wins. Trailer takedown. Uh, at least we didn't have a tie this time. True. <laughs> so, <clears throat> all right, guys, we've got one last story. Uh, it's so heartwarming. I'm so excited for this. So an eight-year-old from Minneapolis uh, recently wrote to his local NPR station regarding the show, All Things Considered. Uh, I am going to read the entire letter. So this kid writes, my name is Leo and I'm eight years old. I listen to All Things Considered in the car with mom. I listen a lot. I never hear much about nature or dinosaurs or things like that. Maybe you should call your show Newsy Things Considered, since <laughs> I don't get to hear about all the things. So please talk more about dinosaurs and cool things. Sincerely, Leo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So if that wasn't fantastic enough, uh, NPR archivists discovered that in the show's near 50-year history, the word dinosaur has appeared 294 times uh, compared to 20,447 times for the word senator. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So NPR did make good with Leo. Uh, they invited him on to interview Ashley Poust, who is a research associate at the San Diego Natural History Museum. The two talked about Ashley's favorite part of her job, uh, whether she's discovered a dinosaur, and why humans aren't as big as dinosaurs. <laughs> and Leo is now officially my, uh, my hero. That blows my heart. That's excellent. I love this kid. This, this, this kid's going places. <laughs> yeah. This, this kid's going places, and this kid is, like, already, like, super sassy. Like, maybe you should call your show all newsy things considered. Like, <laughs> whoa, bro. Whoa. <laughs> if Tiny Tabitha had access to NPR, that would have been... <laughs> <laughs> God help NPR. I wrote strongly worded letters to my local library all the time. <laughs> I don't want to read one of those. Same. You do, I promise. <laughs> I, I want to go back in time and meet Tiny Tabitha. Mm-hmm. Although that'd be kind of weird. Like, 
you know, going up to Tiny Tabitha. Tiny Tabitha doesn't know who I am because she won't meet me for like another, what, like 20 years or whatever. And yeah, that'd be weird. But still, like. She'd still shame you. She would. <laughs> yeah, she would have. Yeah. She would have also been very sassy and told you she wasn't supposed to talk to strangers, asked you if you were a stranger. When you told me no, that I'd met you in the future, I probably would have tried to talk to you about time travel because I was a really weird child. <laughs> <laughs> You don't say. Right, I know. Very surprising. Uh, uh-huh. The word paradox would have come up. Oh, a lot. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. Uh, I, would have, I would have probably asked you if you had been on the Star Trek Enterprise. Like, <laughs> very weird. Do you know Will Wheaton? <laughs> that, that would have been my first question. Do you know Will Wheaton? Can you introduce me to Will Wheaton? Can you bring me Will Wheaton? <laughs> That's such a turn. I, I am scared about where this conversation is going. <laughs> tiny Tabitha loves Will Wheaton. <laughs> not so Tiny Tabitha loves Will Wheaton. So not something's ever changed. <laughs> well, um, we, sh- we should probably go so that Tabitha can write a strongly worded letter to Will Wheaton. Uh, but it's like a nice strongly worded letter. <laughs> you act like I never did that already. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's going to do that for do it for this uh, episode of The Geek Awakens. We'll be back next time. But in the meantime, be sure to follow us on all the social medias. Uh, we'll be posting news throughout the week. While you're there, give us some feedback. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, from everyone at The Geek Awakens, I don't know why I kind of had a blank there. But uh, from everyone at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to get to you next time. Everybody, say bye. Bye.